So this is Adulting with Rebecca Adams. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Series 2 of So This Is Adulting. I'm continuing my quest to become a fully rounded adult today with the help of comedian Matt Richardson, who'll talk to me about responsibilities. Before I chat to him though, let me tell you a story. I moved out of home for the first time when I was 23 years old. I was used to my father doing everything for me, which I regrettably admit. So it came to a shock to me when I had to do all this adult stuff like wash dishes, cleaning the house, as dusting as a thing apparently, and vacuuming, mopping, blah, 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 and all that other boring stuff. This next story I am ashamed to admit, but hey, if I don't mention my bad experiences, how will you learn? You're welcome. I hate taking out bins. So each time I needed to take out the bin and put them in the bigger bin outside like a normal human being, I decided to leave it and go back to it later and leave the dirty rubbish bags out in my backyard. I swear I intended to take them out after a week, but then it went to two weeks. And then it went to another week. And then it was a month. And at this point, I was seeing bugs that I didn't even know existed. I can't describe how disturbing this was. So I put on my gloves on and was ready to go to war with these bugs. But they won. I couldn't do it. I couldn't take these bins out. It was too late. It was too invested with these bugs. I was at this point ruining these insects home. So... I saw a man outside of my flat and I offered to pay him to take the bins out for me. I was in tears from all these insects around and I literally thought they were like going to kill me or something. He looked at me like I was a freak, but he said yes. What was he thinking? Anyway, I was relieved and then I saw a random man who I never saw before in my life and he went up to me and rightfully so asked me why I had the nerve to ask his old father who had just got out of hospital, which I obviously didn't know that obviously, and he had a big go at me and said he wasn't going to do it. Looking back now, I don't know why he didn't throw eggs at me. He let me off way too easy. I did end up taking them out and broke up the insect family and never to that day did I let the bin stay out. Moral of the story, kids, do your responsibilities as they aren't going to do themselves. Oh, and take out your bins. So this is adulting. To help me understand how to navigate through the responsibilities of adult life, I'm joined by comedian Matt Richardson. Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Although... Getting a comedian to talk about responsibility is um, <laughs> probably like it's a waste of a guest, really, because the whole point of doing comedy is you just you don't have any real adult life, do you? Yeah, but like we wanted to get the most serious person involved. So we're like, let's get a comedian involved, you know? No, but you've had, yeah, sp- yeah, like, yeah. how's the past year been for you, though? Because obviously before we recorded, we're talking about how obviously COVID has changed a lot of lives especially for um people in the entertainment industry like yourself so how has the past year been for you you know what like compared to some absolutely fine like it's i've i've worked enough i i didn't have to i you know i i like the first few months you know that first bit where it was real the lockdown like it wasn't like a half one um Mm. i didn't do anything and like you know was furloughed and all that but um i've done enough television and voiceovers and things that it's been okay really like i didn't need to i i'm i'm at that point in my career where 
actual stand-up gigs um, are like a small portion, like a big portion of my time, but a smaller yeah. portion of how I feed myself. So that kind of make, made it a little bit less of a blow. So I was very fortunate. Oh, that's good. How were you, what was your thoughts like when you were seeing a lot of comedy venues close? Like, cause that's like, like your colleagues, I guess, when you see people that are struggling, yeah. like, was that sad for you? Like I know with me seeing like music venues it, close absolutely. and stuff, that really affected me. Yeah, it was really sad. But also I think it's one of those things where, um, all these big companies like lasted two weeks and then needed money off the government and they got it. And all these small venues are expected to be able to be fine for months without working, which is just not I fair. Know. And my big worry was, um, you know, I think a lot of them are closed and have reopened and that's great, but there will be a lot of venues that, you know, can struggle through now, but might not survive the next year or two because they, uh, you know, have had to take on so much debt and stuff. So I think it will be devastating, but I think a big problem is is um, people that work in the creative arts industry don't tend to vote conservative. So there was no real yeah. motivation for the conservative government to help them out, if you know what I mean, because like yeah, actors yeah. and stuff tend to be quite liberal and so do musicians and things. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. I hope it doesn't have a massive effect because, yeah, like you say, it's my colleagues. Um, you know, the, the less gigs there are, the less comedians can work full time doing it and have to go and do other things, which means they may have to drop out. So we'll see. I think we haven't quite seen the full effects of it yet. And I think it will be devastating to a lot of small towns and, you know, they've got cool little venues and stuff. Yeah. So what are you currently up to? Because I know you just said you just come back from Blackpool for a gig. Um, so what yeah. else are you currently up to? <laughs> I am doing shed loads of comedy clubs and stuff. So um, I... Basically, um, before the pandemic, I was doing a, I did a radio show for four and a half years. And then that finished like six months before the pandemic. And because I was doing this thing five days a week, I couldn't leave London very often, like in the days, in the week to go mm. and gig. So this has kind of been like my first taste of being back on the circuit uh, for years, which is lovely and I really like. Um, and and I've got, I've gone, I'm away filming something in September for a few weeks and things like that. So like all, anything that will come, I say yes to it all. Yeah, I know. You just don't say no. Like, yep, cool. Yep, yep, yep. What, so what would you ever My say no to? My agent calls me and they go, I've agreed to this. Um, so very few things. Um, I said no earlier this year to a show called Eating With My Ex, which is a, oh, a BBC yes, Three I show, that. I think, <laughs> where you go for dinner and they, they find one of your exes and you rock yeah. up and you don't know which one it's going to be. And um, you go for dinner with them. And you get paid. You got paid to do it, but I, I don't think that you don't was want to eat worth with your going ex, on television for. No, not really. There are plenty of my exes I would eat with and still eat with regularly and are friends with. Yeah. But there is one in particular that I, I had a sneaking suspicion they were going to bring along that I wouldn't. You're like not. Nah. It wouldn't have boded well for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they're, not gonna, they're not going to hook you. They're not going to hook you back up with an ex who you're going to have a lovely catch up with, are they? No, no, no way. But that's what makes it entertainment. Like I could not <laughs> ever, ever eat with any of my exes. They're probably like, I think all of them hate me except one. But they'll probably just throw food in my face. It'll be entertaining for everyone. But for me, it would be crazy. Exactly. Okay, so no eating with exes. Yeah, look, okay, got it. So look, it's the kind of show I absolutely watch, but wouldn't want to be on. You know, it's it's one of those. So <laughs> no, exactly. yeah, that's the only thing I've ever really said no to. Otherwise, I'm a yes machine. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, tell us about your adult life, I guess, and where you got to where you are now, because it seems like you don't really take life serious, which is amazing. I don't take life serious as well. I I always laugh at literally everything. I just don't see the point of it. People yeah, don't yeah. really like I don't take life serious, but what's the point? Like, tell us about your adult life then. Um, the thing is, though, like, I, I guess... Like, for someone that is like, oh, I'm not really an adult, I don't have an adult life, I do, do. like, you know, my girlfriend and I have been together six years, we live together, you know, you know, we live, we've got a mortgage, we have a cat, like, it's very boring and adult. However, that is, like, yeah, we've got got a cat, like, that's about as adult (laughs) as it gets, right? I didn't have a cat as a child, but I've got one now. Um, And, uh, yeah, so, like, but I, I don't really take it seriously. My whole thing is, like... I'm doing my dream job, right? I've wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian from the age of 14, really. So the fact I get to live this life is so brilliant and excellent, and I'm having so much fun, even doing the boring bits of it, that I can't really take it seriously because, like, it's all a bit – It's I just, I just don't think it's worth going, well, this is, you know, my art and all that because it's great fun as well. And, like, look, yeah. I, I don't have a life where I do any – I don't really have to set an alarm very often. I don't, you know, I don't do anything that is too stressful. The only stress I have in my life is going, why aren't I more famous? That's the only thing that's stressful. <laughs> like, why aren't I making more money doing a job that is essentially me talking about my penis full time? So well, maybe I can't really complain. Extra, so that's why I don't famous. take it seriously. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I mean, sometimes you've <laughs> got to realize is, if it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. So I think... um. For me, I don't take it very seriously because, like, it's so brilliant. Like, I, it, yeah. I'm enjoying it too much to take it seriously. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So you are a comedian, but you are obviously you are also a presenter on the extra. Was it the extra factor? Yes. With the with the late. That was the Caroline first thing Flat. I presented. With really? Caroline How- and I presented uh, the extra factor together. How was that experience for you? Yeah. Being on that such a Mad. big so- platform. It was really cool. Like, so I'd never been on television before, ever, by that point. I'd never done anything. And I went and, like, met them and kind of did this screen test for it. And um, they offered me the job. And then so I went from – I was living with my mum and dad at the time still. So I was 22, living with my wow. parents, and then sort of thrust into this world I didn't know anything about. And, um, you know, how the X Factor at that time was still, like, 10 million people watching the main show and it was like a big thing and yeah. uh yeah it was it was weird all of it but all of all of a sudden like having people interested in my private life and you know i uh would say something at a gig and it would end up in the paper and all those yeah. kind of things were really weird um because all of a sudden because you're in that world and like you know you'd make a joke about simon cowell and everyone would take it out of context and all that was yeah. strange um, but it was it was great fun like we basically it was six months uh, that we would work that you're on the show for that you worked with the year I did it and um so we went all around the country doing the auditions and then and then we went to for a month we were away doing judges houses like so I went from like living at home with my parents I'd had I was working in a a, a year before I was working in an estate agents and then I was sort of flying around the world with Gary Barlow like it was a very weird <laughs> wow. change whereas now I obviously fly around the world with Gary Barlow all the time <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> yeah it's like a usual um, thing how did you find that? Because most people get into telly. It was weird, but most people go into telly and start at quite small things to get to that kind of job. Whereas I started up. with yeah. a big job and then kind of like came back. Weirdly, I did that job and then sort of came back down to other jobs and sort of worked my, and now I'm just like a jobbing presenter really. But it was kind yeah. of yeah, a big first job really. It was madness. 
How did you find that though, going from living with your parents, I'm not assuming that they did your washing or whatever, but then going from doing that to then going outside having to probably do your own responsibilities yourself. Gee, was that like a big slap in the not a slap in the face? Was that really because when I moved out of home at 23 to another state, I was like, what's bills? What's washing? What's this? I left my bins out for literally three months once because I didn't know how to take the bins out. I know it sounds really dramatic, but I hate bins and I didn't know you needed to actually take them out because <laughs> bugs come. So then like how did that come from living with your parents to then literally on the extra um, factor outside for six months with your parents not being able to help you. I'm not, I'm just assuming they were helping them. They might not have, but yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I was, I was living, the thing is before that I was gigging, I was sort of doing comedy full time for about a year before. And then, um, and then I, I stayed living at home during that time. And then I didn't move out till the year afterwards when I moved in with, uh, I moved to London to move in with uh, a girl who I'd been with for two months, which was, a really silly idea um and it didn't go well and actually in that relationship she was she was quite a bit older than me she was well not a, quite a bit she was like four or five years older than me and um i was much more organized than her like i had savings i ended up like paying off her credit card bills and like i was paying the rent and wow. all this so like it was quite like i was living and because she was trying to be an influencer like she'd been on like a reality show and was trying to be an influencer so she wasn't making loads of money whereas I was making good money so uh. I kind of took on the mantle and sort of like funded two of us for six months while we were together so that was um, wow. it was quite a lot of responsibility but I really struggled like I would have I imagine if I hadn't moved with her, I would have never have left my hometown. Like I lived close enough to London that it wasn't really a problem to get in and out. Um, and yeah. it kind of cut the apron strings for me in a way that is quite good. And I'm, 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 I wouldn't say I'm particularly responsible. I'm not very good with things like money and stuff like that. I'm not really bothered. Like I never wanted to make loads of money. I was never interested in money, really. I wanted to just do yeah. comedy. So like if I make no money, I can live within it. And if I make lots of money, I live exactly within it. Like I'm not very good at going, let's save that for a rainy day. I'm like, well, this is brilliant. I'm just going to enjoy it, which is actually not a very responsible thing to do. And bit <laughs> me in the ass when COVID sort of like uh, yeah. ruined my ruined my career and I had a tax bill to pay. Um, so then you start going, okay, I need to be a bit more sensible now. More, this is probably been a bit of a reality check to me. This is when it comes to like finances and stuff. COVID has sort of like woken me up a bit. I've never been very sensible. I've always really <laughs> enjoyed uh, yeah. if I've made no money or all the money, like I've enjoyed it. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm very responsible with that, but I'm quite good. Like, I'm quite good at like washing, ironing, all those things. I'm fine at. I've always been very good at that. See, but, I hate yeah, that stuff. I hate the small I just, stuff. I avoid it. I hate doing the washing. Oh, I hate doing the dishes. I, ironing for me is my thing I really enjoy like I like really? ironing and I like it when I yeah like when once every couple of weeks I'll do all my ironing I'll spend like three hours ironing and then it's all in my wardrobe like all done and lined up perfectly ironed that for me wow, is like that is one of satisfying them. to a level that <laughs> oh my god yeah. but then the problem is is then I get to a point where like I've been really busy recently I haven't had time to do it and yeah. now I'm living like hand to mouth clothes wise you know like sniffing things to see if they're clean to iron because I haven't had the time. So it doesn't actually always work out for me that well. Is there anything that you would have done like differently, like with your responsibilities? Like I know you say you like doing like the ironing or washing, whatever, but is there anything that you would have done like diff obviously besides from paying off like your ex's credit card bill, but is there anything that you wouldn't do Yeah, that now? was stupid. That was 10 grand. I'm never getting back. Um, oh God. Yeah, I like, thought it was I, like I, a couple I, hundred pounds. Yeah. Ugh. 
No, mate. Ten grand. Ten grand. Ten I'll never grand. Get back. Did she give you the um, money? No, I'm getting too personal. Uh, Don't answer. <laughs> no, of course she fucking. Of course she didn't. She um. She uh. What what happened was is when we broke up, I was like, so because it was kind of like an understood that it was a loan, right? That was kind of the understanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I never. But when you're with someone, you're not like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get something in writing about this. Um, yeah. So uh, when when we broke up, I was like, obviously, like you owe me ten grand. And she's yeah. like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no evidence that that was. Oh, and she even said, she's like, there's no evidence. She's like, that was. There's no evidence that wasn't a gift. I was like, ah, yeah. So I learned that out. Never lend people money. Um, that was a. Can that you was mention a really big what life influencer's lesson. name is? <laughs> I won't do, but it's easy enough to find out. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> but um, it, but then uh, basically. Yeah, so I wouldn't do it's things like that that you do when you're young. You're like, oh yeah, I love you, so I'll give you, I'll lend you some money. Whereas now, I, I you've got to be quite careful with those things. You know, you got to like, yeah, of course, make sure there's like a paper trail that, yeah. and think. Yeah, you know, and doing all those boring admin things, and also, um, you know, over the years, there's been things that I've kind of been involved in, ideas wise and stuff, where you've not written things down of who said what and all that, and then it doesn't work out in your favour. So I'm much better at that now that I wouldn't do anymore. I'm not as trusting as I was when I first moved out of home. I'm much yeah, more. Yeah, when you move out of home, like, like trusting people, people will fuck you over. They will. I didn't realise that when I first moved out. To be honest with you, I because I lived by myself for the first six months. I was living in Canberra in Australia for my first radio job and I lived by myself and it was fine but I wanted to live with roommates but my first roommates that's when I started not trusting people because like people get really picky when it comes yeah, like yeah, yeah. bills how much hot water and that stuff but I know I know it's so weird and so writing things down like I do understand why that would actually help with that type of thing yeah yeah I've had a few a few things where I've sort of been like I've been a bit too naive and people take advantage of it so that yeah. I think is something you learn the hard way. So like, uh, you know, for me, it was an expensive learning curve that, um, however, um, you know, you've, you, you live and you learn and you move on, I suppose. A hundred percent. Well, what would you say is the biggest responsibility I guess you have now? Because how old are you now? If you I mean, want to mention, you don't have to mention your age. 30. <laughs> I am, I am 30. It's not a problem. I don't mind it. Um, I, I don't, my biggest responsibility now, the thing is like, we, like we, we both work, uh, my girlfriend and I, like we, we have a cat. That's probably it now. Like <laughs> I don't, we don't have, we don't have kids. We're not married necessarily. We, we live together, you know, and we, as long as we pay our bills and, you know, work enough that we can do that, then we're sort of, we're fine. We don't, I don't have a life filled with responsibility. I've got to, you know, make sure I'm working. But once again, like being a comedian and what the kind of thing I do, you have people that are involved in your well-being at every stage. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, since the age of 19, I haven't been out in the industry alone. I've always had agents and, you know, I've got an agent, I've got a publicist, you've got people like this that you work with who make sure that, everything's good for you and like their job is to look after you in a way and make sure you have money and yeah that helps and also my parents still you know my parents I'm very close with my parents and yeah you know, if I needed anything or was in a spot of bother I would never be alone like there would all there's always people around me I've got a really good network of people and that That's means good. it's a bit easier than most whereas a lot of people you know go out into the world have a have children young and don't have relationships with their parents or don't have parents anymore mm. and they're truly like on their own and have to do it by themselves i am not in that position i am coddled by various people who are interested in my well-being and future that's so good though either yeah. professionally or personally 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you've got, you have like a, a, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a big team, but you have a team of people when you're in the entertainment industry who are are working out what's best for you, what's going to be good for you, what's going to help you in the future. And you are part of that decision, but there are other people to talk to about it, which is a very unusual situation because that isn't in everyday life. Well, what would you say to people that don't have that support network? Like I'm like you as well. I don't have a publicist. I don't have an agent, whatever. But I do have a family. Me and my dad are very close, just like what you were saying. Even if I don't need the help, just knowing that his help is there is what makes it better for like my anxiety. It's really comforting. It is so comforting. Even if I might not need it, I'm like, I don't want your money. But just knowing that it's there. But what happens? What would you tell people that might not have that support network around is it just like literally try finding their own way? There is always help I, the, out I, there though, whether it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I guess there is. And also I think I, I don't know how hard it is to not have that support network because, you know, I went from, I, I like you, I lived at home till I was 23 and yeah. then 22, 23, I moved out when I was 22, just turning 23. And it was at that point where like, you know, I was an adult. They'd I'd been allowed to live at home and like I had – part-time jobs whilst doing comedy. So I didn't leave home until my full-time job was comedy and I was earning enough money. I was on television when I left home. Like I was making really good money when I left. So I was given that safety net at a point where like I could afford to not make much money because I wasn't paying rent. And that's a really privileged position to be in, which a lot of people don't have that luxury. And I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of comedians out there who have started when they like, you know, a perfect example would be when we started out at the same time, Ramesh Ranganathan like had kids and a mortgage and a wife and was still working and then took the risk to be a comedian when he wasn't making much money from it. And there was a period of hardship, I imagine, you know, I don't imagine it was plain sailing straight away. So people have done it, but I never have. I, I am the epitome of white male privilege in the entertainment industry. Like I lived rent free while I established myself. I got on television within four years of starting comedy and then was on television when I first moved into a flat and then moved into a flat with a flatmate, then got a job on the radio, lived by myself. I haven't had a struggle career-wise. I've always worked. I've always had a support network. You know, I signed... I've always had great agents. Like I moved in with a girl who had enough money to buy a, a, a flat with a deposit that I could then live in and pay the mortgage off with each other. Like I've, I've been very privileged at every point. You know, I've got parents that if I've ever needed help, they've been able to lend me money, but I've paid them back. Like I, I haven't had a difficult life. So yeah. it's hard for me to give advice to people who had it more harder because I've had a very charmed life compared to 99% of people. No, of course. And it's good that you think like that as well, that you know that you're privileged and things like that because there are some people in the industry Absolutely. that don't that always plays the victim. And I, it's nothing bad to play the victim, but it's like when you know you have a good life, just like embrace it. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I think, you know, there are lots of things like – there are lots of people in comedy who are posh and like, uh, you know, had a, like, I haven't had a private education or anything, but I had a really, I had, a, I went to a nice school, uh, you know, the, a nice normal school. And, you know, I lived in a relatively nice town and mm. I'm, you know, my parents aren't like rich, but like have always been able to provide and like, it's never been an issue. If I've needed any help, it's always been there. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I, that is an unusual situation for the majority of the world. Yeah. So I, I'm very aware of that. And I know that, you know, I started gigging and I had that. I didn't have a, I didn't need a job or anything when I started gigging because I was still living at home. I was a teenager. And then um, 
and then I went into comedy. I've never had a real job ever. I, I, this is the only full-time job I've ever had in my life. And I think that That's means so I'm in a privileged position. Yeah, no, it's awesome that you got but to it, have but, you like, know, your I, dream I job. Had, yeah. Exactly. And it's amazing. So I can't go, well, this is how you'd be responsible if you don't have that because <laughs> I've, I've, I've ended up doing my dream job and I've, I work really hard. Like I, I love my job and I work as hard as possible. And I feel like yeah, yeah. It, within the industry, I've worked hard, but to get to the point where I'm like, I had the luxury to take the risk to do my dream job. And most people don't get that. And exactly. I think, you know, there's out. a lot of, there's a lot of fucking people in my industry and, and in, entertainment in general who who get to that point where i think they lose sight of the fact that they don't live a normal life and yeah. they say things like you know if you've just got if you've got a job you hate you just need to quit that job and i'm like you what are the balls to sit there and go that's what you need to do you need to quit your job but just quit your job <laughs> if you hate your job and do something artistic with your life like people have got bills to pay and have got mouths oh, to no. feed like fuck you for saying that it's that easy whereas for me it was it, you know i didn't have to get to the point where i then would have to quit a job like i started early enough however it's not that easy like i i have come from a privileged position to be able to do that most people aren't that lucky so i'm not exactly. one to sit here and go well this is how you do it and this is the advice i'm going to give because i I've been given everything on a silver platter, basically. <laughs> no, that's true. That's very true. Okay, well, let's talk about the time. And I also started comedy where being a white man was a massive advantage, you know. Like, we had a great <laughs> run of it before everyone realised, hang on a second, why are there a lot of average white dudes doing this? Exactly. Let's, let's even diversity. this back out, which is long overdue. But I got through the door before that happened, so, you know. <laughs> No, exactly. Well, I'm not an expert on responsibilities, but let's talk about the types of responsibilities. Like we're mentioning family. What would you think of the types of responsibilities in family? Like with me, my family are all in Australia. So my responsibility, I think, would be to make sure that I keep in contact with them. Or I, me and my dad talk like literally every day because mm. they're in lockdown now. But even before that, I had to make sure I keep in contact with them so I know what's happening. Thank God for Instagram so I know what's happening. But I've missed out on like three of my cousins having babies since being in another country. But what responsibilities would you yeah. say are in like family, I guess? Well, the thing, so I've got a younger brother um, who I feel quite responsible for. He's got autism and we're quite close and, you know, I help him out uh, where I can with, you know, he wants to work in television and I've tried to help him get jobs and things. But, That's nice. you know, and I, I once again, like I, I talk to my family every day, like I talk to my mum and dad every day, like it's not really, a, but that isn't like a responsibility thing. That's that I'm quite needy. So I don't see it as like my duty to talk to them all. I call my parents because like I, I'm their special boy and I want to be talked to as much as possible. Like, and if they don't, and I'll ring, I'll, I will ring my, even at 30 years old, I'll ring my mum and if she doesn't pick up, I'll ring my dad and I'll just keep switching between them until one of them picks <laughs> until up. Until one of them answers. You know, that, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think it's that, I don't think that it's because I'm, I feel responsible for it. I feel like they have a duty to me. So <laughs> the other way around. The opposite, <laughs> the opposite side, yeah. My dad had to tell me not to call the home phone because I called the home phone just to make sure you can hear someone's voice. My dad messaged me saying, can you not call the home phone at 7 o'clock in the morning? Like, I'm exactly the same. I'm very needy when it comes to my dad and my dad's telling me to back off. I'm like, no, but I want to speak to you. <laughs> 
sorry, sorry, Mum. I know I've not spoken to you for two hours, but something happened to me, and I just want you to know right away. Like, exactly. it's a very, it's weird. You know, you speak to them more. I speak to them more now as an adult. Whereas at a teenager, when you're a teenager and they ring you, you're like, Ugh, oh, no, God, you're trying to be cool. Alone. Whereas now I'm 30 years old. Yeah, you're like, hi, Mum. Sorry. Um, uh, it's just that I've been asleep for nine hours, so um, I need to speak to you just because yeah, I've not exactly. seen you spoken to you for nine hours. It's really, I'm really sad for that. But there we go. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, what about finances? What would you say? Uh, finances, I think, is a big one. Um, I didn't realize like um, how much finances, I guess, are needed in an adult life because when you're a kid, your parents pay for a lot or really expensive. Is looking after you. Being alive, being alive costs a fortune. It's so it annoying. Mm-hmm. It does. I didn't realize like, how many bills though. Like, oh, it's the bills, but also like it's. You know, there's like my my account will email me every so often. She's like, oh, by the way, you owe this uh, to the tax, and I'm like, but I've just paid my. T- Why do I owe more? <laughs> I I've just know. paid them loads. Like they're always after money from me, and yeah. it's the same with like, you know, I don't I don't like really have to pay anyone that often. But you know, people get in touch. They're like, oh, you owe me this money. I'm like, but why? I know. But I tell you, the worst one is for me is having a car is a nightmare. Like it's so expensive just like to keep it on the road, and I just I nearly got rid of it in lockdown. But obviously, I need it for work quite badly. Yeah. But um, oh, just everything. Ev- and and when you're like what like, and it always happens at a point where you need you don't need the extra expense. I find. Oh, of course. So I and always get stung when I'm like I'm sort of. Yeah, yeah, but I always for me it's like um. At a point where I'm not working loads, like something will happen that I need to fix, like something in the house or something with my car. Like it always comes at the wrong time. Oh, hundred percent. And that's 100%. like important. And and I'm not very good at saving and stuff. Like even as a child, my mum said that when they gave me a pound, I would spend a pound and ten p and come back for ten p. Like I've just, <laughs> it's just not in my nature. So I'm really, for me, responsibility. I'm really trying to make more of an effort to be like, okay, well I've got to put thirty percent of that away for that, and I've got to remember that that's coming up, and oh, I'm going to have to pay that bill, and I'm trying to be better at that now. Yeah. Okay. What about career? Because um, you did mention that you've been a bit privileged, um, but. Do you think there are yeah. some responsibilities that you need to make um, in your career, like you? Because I feel like you're not. What do they say? It's not what you know; it's who you know. So it's maybe making a good impression or something for responsibilities. Yeah, look, but I think to don't take it too serious. I think, look, I think like in radio, they take it too serious. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, like I spent four years in radio, and it was the they take it way seriously. I, and they also yeah, did when quite, there's a dead air for thirty seconds. Also, the people that, yeah, but you know, my 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 the interesting thing in radio was um, because I didn't come through like the people who work in radio love radio, right? They're like radio nerds. Most of the people who work in radio are like that, right? They and because I, I ended up doing a drive time show and I'd never done radio before, and they were all furious that I was like not a radio person doing that. Yeah. I'd come from comedy, right? Um, and they all were like really like they thought it was really unjust and like I couldn't believe that it gone to a comedian rather than someone who'd worked in radio and worked their way up blah 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 um, and then actually because you're not from radio you're much better at radio than them because they can't see the wood through the trees um, <laughs> but what happened but, but what I find is well you've got to be like I think you've got like I'm uh, I am all about being like as professional as possible when you meet people when you're at a gig I always give it my all like I always do my best job and like not being like I think you're quite responsible for how you're seen by people like I would be mortified if people thought I was rude or a dick because yeah, I've met yeah. loads of, there's loads of people in comedy loads of people in television who aren't very nice and I 
I don't know if even if they know that that's their that's how they're perceived. Yeah. It's so easy to be nice, and then you get more work again. Like my whole thing with work is, I want to do a job and do a good enough job that I get offered another job off the back of that one, basically. Exactly. So that's yeah. that. And even when you're feeling like, you know, I've done it when you're not in a good place, they, you, you, know, you know, your mental health's not great and things, and you're like, oh, it's, it is an effort to, like, be chipper and professional and nice, but you've got to, you're responsible to do that. And also, I think you're responsible for, like, especially if you're, and I hate using this word, but in inverted commas, talent, you know, you, people act <laughs> like dicks to people lower down the chain than them. And I think it's your responsibility to not be that person. Yeah, because you don't know where they're going to be one day and you not even that. Just be nice to everyone. I've seen a lot of famous people be so mean to interns. Um, and I'm like, why would you be mean to interns? Exactly, like, me just too. treat them like humans. Yeah, absolutely, me too. And I think like it's – I always think like I always try and go out of my way to be like – easy to deal with and to be pleasant to everybody exactly. because it like it costs nothing and it's and I think like it's it's a nice thing that people go oh I work with him and I had a lovely time and I think it makes people feel good about themselves if you are nice to them basically and exactly. like you know and you are polite and you also but especially if it's people that are doing things to make you look better or make your day better yeah um, just to make them feel appreciated like that doesn't cost anything and then they leave for going oh i had a nice day at work and then that meets makes the world a little bit better is there anyone that you've worked with that you wouldn't want to work with again like in tv radio or comedy <sighs> not many but there's a couple that have been difficult but like um <sighs> But it's it's quite a self – I think back in the day, like, people in the 90s and stuff, like, loads of people were dicks because, like, there wasn't that many people after the jobs. Whereas nowadays, there aren't so many because if you're a dickhead, there's someone behind you that will do the job cheaper, better, and be nicer. Exactly, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like, it's so competitive now that there's no point being a dick because, like, Pete, there's someone else. Or there's You're, always you can be replaced. Else. You can be replaced. It's be nice. I feel like a Easily. lot of people are being nicer, but I've yeah. There's a few people that I wouldn't want to work with again. But I just because yeah, I just see the but, way they but treat you know what? people. It's, it's a handful. Exactly. Yeah. It's a handful. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah. But I think that's like any industry, isn't there? Whatever, whatever you do, there's always going to be someone in the office that everyone's like, oh, they're horrible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about um friends? Do you think there are any responsibility with your friends? But I feel like with responsibility with friends, if you if there's like responsibilities and it just too if you have to put too much work in with friends, then I think that's then that's not really good. I don't think there's all yeah. my friends. I don't think of anything that I need I don't I don't need to talk to any of my friends. I, so I um I try to be good with friends only because I've got lots of very good friends who've been very patient with me over the years because I've had, to, because of the nature of my job, lots of it is very last minute. Lots of it is weekends. Like I always gig at the weekends, evenings. So I'm not very good. I've got one friend, my, one of my best friends, Callum, is brilliant because he asked me to do things and nine times of the 10, I have to be like, oh, I can't or oh, I've yeah. got to cancel because this thing's come up. But he never stops asking me. So I feel a real <laughs> responsibility to like always make an effort with him because like for 10 years, he's basically stood by my side as I've gone, I can't come to that. I can't do that. Oh no, yeah. I'm not around. Sorry, I'm away. Um, and so there's some people like that that you could think just because they've been really good with me and not loads of people have been like, oh, I can't be asked with Matt because he's never here. Whereas there are the few that have carried on and they've they they deserve all the effort in the world good old Callum 
Shout out to Callum if you're listening to yeah, this. We love you. Been friends, known him since I was six. So Aww, love you, Callum. Um, so lastly, so health. I think health is a bit. My dad's always said, "You are what you eat," and it's true. Um, so what are your responsibilities when it comes to health? Because you're always on the road. You're gonna have to have a lot of like energy, yeah. don't you? You can't just drink, eat takeaway every day. <sighs> yeah. Look, I mean, I, I mean, you can. But it doesn't bode well. The problem with being on the road is, as well, all the time, is you can't get decent food when you're like driving at late at night and things. Like it's not like you can get a salad and things. Like you've got to eat. Sh- you eat shit a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I've only really started to take my health seriously the last eighteen months. So lockdown, really. Before then, really, uh, you know, Ooh. I ate and drank and did all that. And like now, I won't. Tr- like I don't drink if I gig ever. I don't. Um, I tr- I wouldn't really drink if I'm. Dry, I don't drink if I'm driving the next day either. Um, I'm yeah. quite responsible with things like that. Um, but also because it only not because of um any like moral thing or like oh, I'm I was worried gonna that say I'm that's really be, good role model. No, um, it's because like sitting in a car feeling rough is the worst thing in the world. So um, I just can't face it. And I spend a lot of my time sat in a car. So yeah. um things like that I'm quite I'm quite good at and I'm quite sensible with. And but eating eating healthy when you're sat in a car 30 or 40 hours a week is really difficult. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, just a quick, so, so just around. I, that's why I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, we just talked about the X Factor before, but what's your thoughts on the X Factor not um, happening anymore? Were you sad when you heard the news or were you just like, whatever? No, I mean, it was it was eight years ago that I worked on it. So, like, I don't really have any connection to it anymore. Um, I'm very grateful to The X Factor uh, for giving me my break into the industry. Like, otherwise, I'd have just been another circuit comedian. Um, and everything that's happened since is because that happened at that time. Um, but, look, it was on for years. Like, TV shows. See, not many shows get a, get a life as long as that. So yeah, I, it did get pretty know, boring, it, though, by it, the end. Yeah, it did. And also, but you got to think, right? It's still on in like 32 countries. Like it's on all <laughs> over the world still. It's not dead. It's just dead here. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, and, and also it will, it'll come back at some point in, in 10 years or something. It will, it will have another day. It's not dead. It's just on hiatus is my opinion. Well, I think the X Factor used to be so much better, like in the about like when you were on it, or even a few years before, like the One Direction days. But they they did it in Australia, and it was so bad. It was so boring and bad. Nothing is the same. I I think the best lineup was I think when you were on it. So Louis Walsh, um, Sharon Osbourne, either Cheryl Cole or the Nicole, whatever name is. I think that was the best. And Simon Cowell. That was Nicole was my yeah yeah. That was the best lineup ever. It was it was great. it was it was very of its time. And also now, the thing is, the X Factor worked when ordinary people couldn't just become famous. Like, you couldn't yeah. just, like... Whereas now, ordinary people can become famous in millions of different ways. Like, people become TikTok stars weekly. Do you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> it used to be fame. When fame wasn't accessible... The, the thing over the last... 10 years since I no since I was kind of on the X Factor in the X Factor's golden period fame has become accessible because of social media like you had people that became famous on Vine on Twitter but yeah. you know influencers when I was on the X Factor influencing wasn't a thing right like Instagram like I used to have Instagram and I kind of posted on it a bit but it wasn't really I wasn't really bothered about it and then all of a sudden yeah. now Instagram is millions of people make lots of money on Instagram. So I think the big thing is now is it it, it had a time where the X Factor was a way to get famous 
because there was no other access to fame. Whereas yeah. now, why would you want to go on the X Factor and hand over all the rights to everything you own and all that when you can just be on TikTok and become a musician in that way? Or you don't even have to sing. You just have to wear clothes and pick clothes well. Or, oh, I know. You know or go like, on holiday. Or there's bears. a million other things you can do. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a million things you can do to find your niche now. So you don't need it. Yeah, yeah. I really don't like that word influencer. I just, no, I'm not like dissing them or whatever, but I think it's, yeah, it's quite scary to think that you can have a career on social media. It's like, it's very useful. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I think it's bringing more a than a career. Model. You can make millions of pounds. I know. It's crazy. You, because, because you look a certain way and stuff. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's grim. As someone that has spent 12 years scraping away in comedy clubs um, and doing crap gigs and stuff, and then they're like, my job's hard. You're like, you go oh to Dubai gosh, I know. and people yell at you for it. That isn't hard. Um, so, yeah, it's weird, but there we go. Yeah. Okay. Look, well, I'm not saying if, if, I could, if I could do it, I'd probably do it. <laughs> this is a yeah, shame. Um, to round things up, what would you say is the one thing you shouldn't do when it comes to the responsibilities, I think I know what you're going to say, but what what do you think is the one thing you shouldn't do? I just think you should you should you should you shouldn't trust other people to do things yeah. for you. I, I've had a lot of people that I know who have been very good at comedy or in life, and they're like, "Oh, other people will do that for me. Like they'll sort me out." You've got to take. You've got. You're the only person who's ever going to take responsibility for yourself and like your career and your health and stuff. You can't pawn it off on other people and expect them to do as good a job. Well said, well said. And what would you say is the key thing to managing your responsibilities? I don't know because, I mean, have have go, get into comedy to have an agent who tells you what to do. <laughs> yeah, get an agent to do it for you. <laughs> That's basically it. Uh, yeah, yeah, just get just get a good accountant, get a decent agent, and everything's okay. And everything's fine. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming <laughs> on. Now, can you let us know what comedy shows you're going to be doing or what things uh, are you going to be up and happening in the future that we want to know about? I am... I am doing loads of stuff. So um, I'm just gigging basically now for the rest of the year and until the in the new year. I've got loads of gigs. You can see them on my website, uh, mattrichardsoncomedy.co.uk. I'm probably coming to a town near you, whether you want me to or not. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on, Matt. No, thank you for having me. So this is adulting. We are at the final episode of the second season of So This Is Adulting. Thank you so much for everyone who has listened and supported us so far. And thank you, of course, to all the amazing guests that's come on. Stay tuned for the upcoming seasons. And if you haven't already, subscribe and listen back to the other episode. And hey, why don't you leave a review? Love you guys. And yeah, hope you're not over my voice yet. <laughs> <laughs>